guys, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold jean world. Not only is there the coolest show on freight, but there's also Running on Ice, a newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on FreightWaves.com slash Running on Ice. Today, we welcome back Dr. Cliff Glade and Dr. Robert DiLoretto. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I am very excited to talk to you guys today. Um, I always learn something new, and um, you guys, I feel personally, are kind of on the, the cutting edge of some of the uh, cold chain options out there. Um, so we touched on kind of the use of dry ice last time you were here, but you guys have kind of gone above and beyond lately, and um, you kind of have these new phase change products. Um, do you guys mind explaining kind of how they're an alternative to dry ice and how they kind of work? Certainly. A phase change material is a chemical reaction that stores energy and releases it in the form of temperature, cold temperature. We engineer them to maintain precise temperatures for medicine. So our minus 16, which we refer to as PC minus 16, precisely holds minus 16 degrees centigrade, which is roughly the temperature of an American freezer. Our minus 21, which is our ultra cold, um, is colder than our minus 16, has a little less energy, but is able to maintain minus 21, which in medicine is used for certain uh, pharmaceuticals and certain allographs and bone shipments. Um, and it requires special freezers to prepare, will not freeze in a home freezer. Um, so what happens is that they, to prepare the phase change material, you freeze them. And once they're frozen, they come out of the freezer at the precise temperature of the freezer. So if you temper, your freezer temperature is minus 20 degrees centigrade, the minus 16 comes out to minus 20, at minus 20. But within approximately 30 minutes, it goes up to minus 16 and stays there until all the bonds are broken and there's no more energy. Equally important is it's not a toxic chemical. It's harmless. It's just based on a salt solution. So therefore, it can be disposed of in a regular garbage pail. If it spills, it's not toxic. It's not harmful. And we provide all of our clients with the data sheets, um, the MSDS sheets, because if a forklift hits some of our product or something, they're trying to get away from toxic chemicals they certainly don't want to replace them with toxic exactly i like that um it kind of also sounds like you know when you take a lunch and you have the ice pack that you put in your lunch box and it always ends up like melted by the middle of the day uh it's like that's the first thing that my mind jumps to but it doesn't melt halfway through the day it just stays cold for days later which to me is extremely fascinating and cool and has much more practical uses than uh, me bringing something to lunch to work in the lunchbox well, the other point with an ice pack is most of that is frozen water. Water, you know, freezes at 30 degree, 32 degrees Fahrenheit or 0 degrees Celsius, and that's the temperature it maintains. So it can't keep maintain frozen temperatures. It'll work very well. God created frozen water. It works. But it only keep works at refrigeration zero degrees. There are a couple of companies that make ice packs and put toxic chemicals in there, such as antifreeze, 
but it makes no sense to us to use toxic chemicals because you certainly wouldn't want that in your lunchbox because if it breaks, that's the end of that child. Yeah, nobody really wants to eat blue goo that ends up on your lunch or whatever. That's the fastest way to just immediately end up getting lunch from the lunch lady. Well, a little worse than that, antifreeze causes kidney failure. So it, it's it's more than that. But Mary, the other aspect of what Cliff was talking about, particularly for healthcare, uh, most of the testing and, and long-term storage is ultra, ultra, ultra cold, minus 80 long-term storage uh, of medical specimens and DNA and, you know, and things like that. The biologics, the, the immunotherapies, the COVID vaccines, uh, the the uh, uh, chemotherapy ag- agents, oftentimes uh, minus 80 is too, too cold and they need to be stored around the minus 21 temperature. And there's nothing between dry ice and zero degrees like we have to to take care of that problem. Uh, along with all the, neg- we've talked about it before, all the negative aspects of trying to use dr- you know, dry ice from a safety standpoint, from a burn standpoint, explosion standpoint, transportation standpoint. So this eliminates the need for the minus 80 degree dry ice, which for the most part doesn't need to occur, even from a frozen food standpoint, uh, and makes things a whole lot safer along with the fact, as, as Cliff alluded to, it's green, it, you know, it's reusable, recyclable, it's non-toxic, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of the non-toxic things um, and things that are, you know, slightly better for the environment because I would like the world to be here for a little bit. You know, I'm kind of partial to living. Bob mentioned, you know, obviously we both have medical backgrounds, but we also deal with temperature-sensitive evidence for law enforcement, semen, urine, and prior to us getting involved, um, a lot of temperature-sensitive evidence was destroyed and shipping, which meant that bad guys went free. Yeah. Um, and yeah. more recently, we're expanding our foothold in frozen food uh, delivery. And it seems to be the fastest expanding aspect of our business. Probably, Bob, because of the size of the entities and the amount of frozen food that ships daily. Um, so I guess, what's the average shelf life? Because you said that these uh, PC-16 and PC-20s, 21s, they're, are, um, they're, they last longer than dry ice. They're reusable. So I guess, how does it comp- how does the shelf life of this compare to, um, to dry ice? When our clients previously purchased uh, $100,000 worth of dry ice a month to handle their... Uh, shipment of pharmaceuticals, when they purchase it, you buy 50,000 pounds. When it got to their facility, they had 40,000 pounds. And then if weather was a problem, they had 20,000 or 10,000 pounds. Unfortunately for us, when we deliver product to them, 10 years later, the product's still good. We have not figured out a way to make the product go bad. The military has been using the same products in its helicopters for over 10 years. And there's virtually no loss of function. Some polite, um, some polite taking and uh, reappropriating, so that way 
you know, they they have to come back for more, which is a good problem, I guess, to have, but not as the person selling the temperature controlled things. You kind of want people to reorder a little faster. It would be nice. Um, the only thing that happens, thank God, is all of our large clients are growing. So they continue purchasing. But the product is in an extremely heavy HDPE food uh food acceptable carrier and you can't break it um obviously you could drive an ice pick through it but just dropping it or or keeping it on the shelf it as i say five ten fifteen years it's no problem so the client is able to stock the product and then if he needs it next wednesday on monday throw it in their freezers and it's ready to rock and roll which is why it works so well on a closed loop solution where it comes back to the original chip. It's certainly more expensive than dry ice on a one way. I kind of like that though, because then you, I'm sure over time, instead of buying all that dry ice and, you know, losing some of it before it even gets there, just by having these materials or these extra things, um, I want, I'm sure over the, the, the long term, you end up saving money versus the variable prices that is dry ice. Return on investment, and one of our clients, they receive at the laboratory 265,000 blood samples every morning. So our products transport those blood samples from outlying into there. Ten years later, they're still transporting. So the return on investment for reuse goes to almost nothing. From a practical standpoint, Mary, uh, what Cliff was mentioning, uh, you know, you buy a hundred thousand pounds, you know, and it goes away, goes away, goes away. There's nothing you can do to stop that process. Even if you have an ultra cold freezer, the, the, the clinical or the, the scientific term is called sublimation that, you know, the actual term is just, it evaporates into CO2 and there's nothing you can do to stop that process to no matter how cold you're storing it or what you're using it, what container you're using it for transport, it goes away. 100% of the time, it goes away. 100% of the time, the PCMs don't go away. They're always there and always available. And the, the large-scale clients, typically what they'll do is in this closed-loop system, they'll have some large ultra-cold freezers They'll have two to three times the number of PCMs that they need for a shipment. So when the warm stuff comes back, they take the container, grab some new stuff, put it in with the new product, ship it out, and put the old warm stuff back in the freezer. And then it just keeps, they keep recycling it that way. Uh, and, and so there's no downtime. There's no ordering. Yes, there's an upfront cost that's more. But over the long term, it's more you know it's more economical for them um, if they look at the math and fi and figure this out. So it, it it is you know obviously more green and and safer, et cetera, but less costly over the long term. To me, that kind of seems almost worth it a little bit, just so that way you always have the products that you need. You don't have to worry if there's dry eye shortage or something like that. It's just, it's always there as long as, you know, your totes come back with everything in it. And if not, it's not like you don't know where to go find where you drop them off at because it's more than likely the same person that you're dropping this this new stuff off at. Well, there, and on top of that, there are some toxic issues with dry eyes. 
They can only put so much in a courier vehicle or a plane or a truck without killing the driver. Um, that's why there's a hazardous fee charge. And OSHA has multiple cases where on delivery, the driver takes everything down a set of stairs and then the driver's dead because it's heavier than air and has killed them. The other issue Bob didn't, didn't mention was that if they, you know, besides not being able to keep it frozen in an ultra frozen freezer, they can't contain it or it'll explode. You have to let the gas out. So there are a lot of issues with using dries or these large companies wouldn't constantly be closing. So I guess when it comes to these uh, PC minus 16s and the PT PC minus 21s, um, what are the most common applications? You alluded to some um, grocery stuff, to some, um, you know, bio tests. Um, what are some of the most common things that people are snatching them up to use for? Biological pharmaceuticals, vaccines, think COVID. We handle the second largest school system in the United States. We handled all their COVID vaccines. They then expanded us to handle all the children's vaccines after COVID. And then the latest thing is they now ship all their frozen kids' lunches in our products. Um, law enforcement, temperature-sensitive evidence, food companies, um, frozen food deliveries, particularly when it's a closed loop, people uh, purchase things online, uh, these large chains deliver it to your doorstep and you have so much time to give them back the insulated box and the PCM. I imagine they take a deposit. I don't really know, um, but it's a, it is a what we refer to as a closed loop system. Um, we have people in Alaska using it for what is that terminology you used before, Bob? What is, uh, farmers frozen frozen fish to lay it out for the day in a farmers market. Um, go ahead, Bob. Am I living anything out? No, I just wanted to add the 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 story about the school district. You know, first doing the teachers, which was mandated, and then the kids, uh, and then more kids. Obviously, they kept changing the ages. That same product, the, the, the multi-purpose use of these products. Remember, they're non-toxic. Everything is non-toxic. The tote's non-toxic. The shell's non-toxic. It's a specialized salt water, but that's what it is, a salt water. They use the same equipment for the school lunches for these kids. And so they're not buying new equipment. They're just multi, you know, repurposing it to something different and I don't know if Cliff mentioned, but, you know, the, the, the product's been out there in, in some places for 10, 15 years, uh, you know, and some, rarely does the PCM go bad. Uh, the totes that just wear out, but we have a relationship contractually where they can get refurbished and then sent back at a significantly lower cost than buying a new one. So everything that we make is 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 it has gone, has an ongoing use use potential and life expectancy. And kind of like that because it really brings that accessibility to people. Like you know, a lot of times the only lunches kids get are at school, and I it kind of makes it you know where you can put them back in the freezer and the kids can still eat. You know, and people can still get medical treatment how they should, and probably some underserved areas. Um, I just actually, I absolutely love how approachable 
that has become now because also you don't have to worry about someone trying to dispose of dry ice. They just take a box and then return it the next day to school. Yeah. And to that point that you mentioned the rural, you know, our, our initial marketing piece was the last mile delivery from the standpoint of vaccines. But if you think about it, the reverse of that are the, the rural nurses going 50 miles out into the wherever and, and taking care of a patient and oftentimes drawing blood, you know, getting specimens that have to have to be either frozen or refrigerated to come back to the, their home office. And they use them for that also. So it goes both ways, not just delivery, for, but take, you know, bringing medical specimens back to the hospitals and the labs. So as I said, it, you know, they're extremely multi-purpose and long life. I absolutely love it. But I'm also just a sucker for people, you know, getting the health care that they need and getting the services that they desperately need as well. So, you know, anything that makes that more achievable is a big one in my book. There are also, you're thinking first world, United States. We have worked with large government agencies in third world where there is no, are no freezers and refrigerators to get out the vaccines and viruses and biologics. And it is the only way they have of transporting. So I guess in that instance, how do they recharge the uh, the from a central where they'll have a fleet But if we're in Africa and we're sending something out to a village or or wherever we are, um, from a central point, you'll have the ability to freeze. After that, there's no more ability. I was starting to tell you before we talked today, we're working on a new vaccine transport unit that on testing is passing into the fourth day at minus 17 and a half degrees. It virtually has not changed temperature in four days. And this could be a game changer. This is a, a, a hard reusable plastic that's stackable with RPCM in it. So, uh, I mean, where can't you get in the world in four days? And this thing's still going. I don't know how much longer it's going to go. I'm, and I'm, I'm amazed. It's taking, makes testing a problem because normally you test and then you retest. This thing takes four or five days every time I turn it around. All right. So we are running out of time. And last time we had you guys on, we talked about cereal and soup. This time, can you guys humor us with your best dad joke? Is this on me, Bob? I, you can start. I just, I mentioned previously, I have three kids and nine grandkids, so I can go on for an hour, but go ahead. You hide in your RV outside the house. That's something you probably don't want to read here. That's after the first day. Well, the only comment I have is I used to think that was a dryer shrink in all my clothes, but I finally figured out it's a refrigerator. I like that one. I like that. That's a good one. All right, Dr. Bob, what you got? So uh, what did the horse say after it tripped? This is for one of my grandkids. The horse, oh, nay. No, help, I've fallen and I can't giddy up. I like it. You should get that horse some life alert, a little life alert thing. And so we got me one of my side, side jobs. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, if anyone wants to reach out about some, you know, cold storage solutions or, um, you know, if they want some of the PC minus 16s for themselves, where can they find you outside the show? You can go to our website on www.thermalcustompackaging.com. Um, 
we're on every social media, but my God, maybe Bob can tell you the addresses there, but they were off of our website. Um, help me here, Bob. Oh, my email is cglade at thermocustompackaging.com. And Bob's is rdloretto at thermocustompackaging.com. I love it. You guys heard it here first for the top-notch dad jokes and uh, apparently the solution to keeping anything cold. You guys know where to find them. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on FreightWaves TV, YouTube, or anywhere you, get your po- anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Need more Running on Ice news? No sweat. Subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash Running on Ice. See you on the internet. Thank you.